0: And so God has always had a plan and during the Old Testament that plan was veiled but he continued to unfold that plan and then with the revelation of Jesus Christ the curtains were taken away the scaffolding was removed and the plan is revealed the mystery is revealed. And so this plan is a plan that God has been delighting in. It has given him great pleasure. We read in verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. And so this plan, the plan focused on Christ, the plan to build his church, the plan to have an innumerable number with him in eternity in the new heaven, the new earth, This plan is something that the Lord derived great pleasure in devising. It's not as though it was some kind of emergency measure. It's not as though God was coerced into devising this plan. But this plan has been God's delight. And so when, as it were, he thinks of this plan, he gets enormous pleasure. I suppose, Neil's here this afternoon, I suppose a builder must get a lot of pleasure if he's been building at a project and seeing the completed uh, building. He can stand back and, and just derive a lot of inner pleasure. And I think that the Lord, as he thinks of this plan, it gives him enormous pleasure. The plan has been according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. And so what is this plan? Can we see the architect's plan here? Yes. It's spelled out there in verse 10. And it's this. It's to be Put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Or as the ESV says, To unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. The NASV says, The summing up of all things in Christ. That's the plan. New King James says that he might gather together in one all things. And another translation says that everything would be brought together and summed up in him. And so when you compare the translations, they're all slightly different. But they're all trying to get at the one thing. They're all grappling with the translation of one particular word. And so actually all of these translations are good translations. They're faithful. It's just that the word they're trying to translate, it's one of those rich, diverse, many-sided words. And so it means, basically, the word means to sum up or to re capitulate or to summarize to gather together, to bring to a head to harmonize to sum up is as good a translation as uh, as any other just like um, an accountant would count up the, the columns and then tot it all up, sum it all up and write down the bottom line the conclusion. And so this is God's eternal plan. Which gives him enormous pleasure. That everything in heaven and in earth would be brought together under one head. Who is Christ. Everything summed up and taking its place in subjection to Christ. Christ. This this is the, the great plan. Now Christ is already head over everything. He's head over the church. He's head over the nations. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is already King of kings and Lord of lords. He can't be any more than he already is. He has all authority. However, not everyone yet recognizes or submits to his authority. There is discord. There is rebellion. But here we are told that one day, in the fullness of time, when the times have reached their fulfillment that day will produce the time when everything in heaven and on earth will gladly submit to one head, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's big plan. And that also should be our vision too. This is our goal as Christians. This is what we as Christians believe. And so this is a grand, glorious, all-inspiring vision. This is one of the most exciting things about the gospel. And so this is where redemption is heading toward. And redemption will not be complete until all things in heaven and on earth are brought together under one head, even Christ. And so that, as Christians, should be the message that we are proclaiming. This should be the vision. It should be the goal that we have in mind. And this should be the message that we're trying to communicate to the world. And so when the world thinks of us, we would want them to think those are the people who have big plans, who have a big vision, who have a big God. But is that the message that we communicate? I mean, ask the man on the street, what's your impression of church, of Christianity, of those who go to church. What do they believe? What kind of people they are? Well, maybe he might say, well, people who go to church, well, it's not my cup of tea, but uh, it seems to suit them. They seem to be rather narrow-minded people who seem to be very, very particular about rules and regulations and and they seem to fall out often and there's splits and divisions in the church. And so when I think of church, that's what I think of. Or someone else might say, well, when I think of church, I just think of, uh, of people who are, seem to, to major in the minors. the fight over the smallest of things. Should we stand for prayer? Should we sit for prayer? What Bible version should we use? What what Psalter should we use? What this, what that? And so, silly, little, irrelevant rules and regulations. But I think we need to be reminded of, of God's great plan. This should be our vision. That ultimately, all things in heaven and earth being brought together under Christ that's what we are to be about that's our mission that's our goal that's our vision and so when we were thinking this morning about redemption i suppose we were thinking in our minds the redemption of our souls and that's certainly where redemption begins we need to be redeemed we made we need to be The sacrifice has to be made in order to appease God's holy, righteous wrath, that we might have forgiveness, that we might have peace with God. And we have redemption. We have it now. But it's not yet worked out completely. Because according to God's great plan, there's a plan also to redeem our bodies. There's a plan to redeem this fallen world. And redemption will not be complete until that comes to pass. The Apostle Paul also in Romans chapter 8 uh, makes reference to this same idea. Verse 22. He says, The whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth until now, waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body. And so he says the whole world, the whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. So it's not groaning with the cries of an old man. It's not the groans of death or despair. It's the groans of anticipation. It's the groans of expectation. It's the groans of hope. It's the groans of childbirth. Because something new is going to occur. And that is the groaning of creation. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed, he tells us. It's waiting, as it were, even on tiptoe and craning its neck, looking for this renewal, for the sons of God to be revealed. And when will this occur? When the Lord Jesus Christ returns gloriously. And then so many things will happen when Christ returns. And one of those things will be those who died and whose bodies have been buried will be raised and their bodies shall be redeemed, restored, reunited with their souls and we shall be forever with the Lord in the new heaven and new earth because the Lord will also destroy and renew this fallen world. He will redeem it. W.J. Greer put it this way, All nature, now groaning under the curse, pronounced at the fall, awaits a deliverance and renovation corresponding to the deliverance of the redeemed. And so this is what we ultimately wait for and long for, and Peter also makes reference to that in Second Peter three verses twelve and thirteen. He says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And so, this is our vision. And I appeal to you to adopt this vision. Because it's the vision of God, it's the vision of the Apostle Paul. Because I think that too many Christian people simply assume that what we believe as Christians is that we get saved we die, and we we go to heaven. And that's true. And it's wonderfully true. It's gloriously true. But that's not at all. Don't sell yourself short. We believe in the physical resurrection. We believe that these bodies will also be redeemed. And we believe that this fallen earth, the heavens and the earth, will also be redeemed, renewed. And the result will be a new heaven, a new earth, when redemption will be complete. That's the glorious vision and expectation. And that's what we have prayed for. And I'm sure some have prayed it hundreds and others, maybe even thousands of times. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the goal. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. God has a plan. And so that should reassure us. There are some cynics who say, they look at history, and they can tell us, well, there's no meaning in history. That this world is just set on a blind course. There's no purpose to anything. That the world maybe will end in a nuclear disaster Or else with the climate change we'll all be drowned or whatever. But we're reminded here that God has a plan. That he is in control. And that he will in his own time and in his way. When the fullness of time has arrived. He will redeem this fallen world. And so that's our vision. And so we have a great God. We have a great Redeemer. We have a great hope. And that's the plan of God. I just want to, as I conclude, uh, just read a a quotation from... Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, when Christian has now finally arrived in Emmanuel's land, in uh, the the city of God. And he meets uh, two shining men who waited for him, and uh, they escort him uh, up to the holy city And the talk that they had with the Shining Ones was about the glory of the place, who told them that the beauty and glory of it was inexpressible. There, said they, is the Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Who you are going now, said they, to the paradise of God, wherein you will see the tree of life, and eat of the never-fading fruits thereof. And when you come there, you shall have white robes given you, and your walk and talk shall be every day with the king, even all the days of eternity. There you shall not see again such things as you saw when you were in the lower region upon the earth, to wit sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death, for the former things are passed away." You were going now to Abram, to Isaac, and Jacob, to the prophets, men that God hath taken away from the evil to come, and that are now resting upon their beds, each one walking in his righteousness. The men then asked, What must we do in the holy place? To whom it was answered, You must there receive the comfort of all your toil, and have joy for all your sorrow. You must reap what you have sown, even the fruit of all your prayers and tears and sufferings for the King by the way. In that place you must wear crowns of gold and enjoy the perpetual sight and visions of the Holy One, for there you shall see him as he is. There also you shall serve him continually with praise, with shouting and thanksgiving, whom you desire to serve in the world, though with much difficulty because of the infirmity of your flesh." There your eyes shall be delighted with seeing and your ears with hearing the pleasant voice of the Mighty One. There you shall enjoy your friends again that are got thither before you, and there you shall with joy receive even every one that follows into the holy place after you. There also you shall be clothed with glory and majesty, and put into an equipage fit to ride out with the King of glory. When he shall come with the sound of trumpet in the clouds, as upon the wings of the wind, you shall come with him. And when he shall sit upon the throne of judgment, you shall sit by him. Yea, and when he shall pass sentence upon all the workers of iniquity, let them be angels or men, you shall have a voice in that judgment, because they were his and your enemies." Also when he shall return to the city, you shall go too with sound of trumpet and be ever with him. And so on. I hope that has whetted your appetite. And so this is what we look forward to. This is God's great mystery now unveiled. The mystery, the plan that he has good pleasure in, that ultimately... In the fullness of times, he will bring all things in heaven and in earth together under one head, even Christ. Let's pray.